Welcome to AT Parenting Survival Podcast, where you get support and guidance through the chaos of parenting. Here's your host, child therapist, Natasha Daniels. Well, hello there, and welcome to another episode of the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. Well, I hope everything is going good for you. Last week, I was going to talk about how to figure out what your child is anxious about, and then the Las Vegas shootings happen, and so I bumped that theme, and I wanted to talk to you instead about how to talk to your kids about horrific things that happen in our world, and I hope your kids are doing okay. Um, Surprisingly, my kids really didn't have anything to say about it. I talked to my daughter. I told you about this before. I talked to my 14-year-old before she went to school. And she never said anything about it after that. I don't think it was talked about in school, surprisingly. And my two little ones who are in second grade and kindergarten, I chose not to say anything to them. And we don't watch the news like we talked about last episode. And they haven't said anything. I don't think that it is in their awareness. So I hope that you're having as much success in your house for dealing with crazy stuff like that. So I was going to talk to you today about what I was going to talk about last week, which was how to figure out what your child is anxious about, because I know that is a big mystery for a lot of people. And it had been an ongoing issue at my house as well. And I was going to tell you a whole story about that, but I forgot (laughs) that this week is OCD awareness week, which is a big deal in the OCD community. And I really want to do my part in spreading knowledge and spreading information. And so I thought I can't do a podcast, not on OCD during OCD week. That's not okay. So I bumped the other topic for another week. So I'm so sorry. But today we're going to talk about three things that I wish every parent raising a child with OCD would do. So this is from what I see in my practice and kind of from my own personal experience as well. What I really wish everyone who has a child with OCD would just do. And if they could do those three things, life would be so much better for their kids. So we're going to get into that. So next week I will talk about how to figure out how to decode why your child is anxious. And the week after that, currently, I think it's the week after that, I have an interview set up with the author of what to do when you worry too much. And what to do when your brain gets stuck. Dawn Hubner, who I love. I have always loved that author. She's amazing. And I looked up to her even, I think when I was like in college. So I'm going to be able to interview her because she has a new book coming out. And so that will be on Tuesday, October 24th. So anyway, just a little preview of what is going on in the next few weeks. It's getting a little bit busy. Oh, also a total complete side note as well, not to go on about things that are not related to the topic, but I am going to be doing a Facebook live on Wednesday. And even though I completely hate doing live stuff, so that's going to be a little bit of a nightmare, but I'm going to do it anyway. And it is going to be on the no CD Facebook page, which is treat my OCD or at my at treat my OCD. And I think I can do it live on my page as well at anxious toddlers. Um, but I'm not sure cause I'm completely not technically savvy. So I'll have to figure that out as I go, but I want to let you know that it's going to be Wednesday. It's going to be 9am mountain standard time. 
that's Arizona time. And I think that I am three hours behind you East coasters. So it'll be so 12 o'clock on the East coast. And I think Pacific time, we're the same time. And if you're in Australia, you're going to be actually in a different day. Cause I think Australia is like 17 hours ahead or something completely ridiculous. So I can't figure out all of your times, but if you want to hear me and, um, be part of that, that would be awesome. I'd love to see you there if you have questions. So what I'm going to be talking about during the live talk is just parenting kids with OCD. If you have a particular question that you're like, Oh, if Natasha could just answer this, that would be awesome. You can send it to me before I talk, send it to me at anxious toddlers at yahoo.com. And if I get it before my talk on Facebook live, then I will try to answer it for you. Anywho, let's talk about today's topic. So there are some really simple things that I wish parents would do that lots of good parents absolutely do this. So I'm not maybe talking to you, but you know, sometimes I think OCD is so confusing that parents don't react the way that maybe they should because they either minimize it or they have a wait and see approach or it's confusing to them. And so they're not exactly sure like what to make of it because it's so bizarre and confusing. So I think that's why these things don't happen. So let me go into them and they're really, really simple. It's, this is not like going to be earth shattering information. It's just stuff I want to talk about. So the first one is that I really feel like OCD is missed so much. I mean, so much. I would have to say that the majority of kids that come into my practice, even for OCD, most of their compulsions are not really known by the parent. And a lot of times parents will bring their kids for anxiety because I only see kids at this point for anxiety and or OCD. So they're, they're already coming in for one of those issues, but a lot of times they'll come in for anxiety and really they don't have as much anxiety as they do OCD. And it does make a difference because how you treat it are two completely different approaches. I mean, I do take the way that I treat OCD and I incorporate that in how I treat anxiety, which is a little bit different. Although a lot of therapists do incorporate like exposure response prevention, which we'll talk about at the end of this episode, but a lot of therapists don't do that. And a lot of therapists don't even know what that is. So, and we'll talk about that. So the first thing that I feel like you should do is be more aware, be more aware and pay attention to your child's behavior because the more keyed in you are to what your child's doing, the quicker you're going to discover if they have compulsions and what those compulsions are because OCD is really subtle. So I'll give you an example of a couple of people that had really subtle things going on. I once I was working with this girl and she had a big issue with things being fair and equal. And I was just talking to her about how life isn't fair. And you know, that we, you know, and I would say this mantra over and over with her, I'd say life is not equal and life is not fair. And then I noticed one day that she was doing some weird things with her hands and she was kind of doing what looked like some symmetrical OCD. You know, she was kind of like, um, tapping her fingers on one side and then tapping them on the other. And then I thought, Oh, Natasha, you're so paranoid. You look at everything and you think that must be OCD. And then I kind of just put it in the back of my head. Cause I thought, you know, I'm being paranoid and I don't, you know, when you eat, live and breathe OCD all the time, like I do, 
I feel like sometimes I see things that really are just typical behavior. So, cause I'm always looking at behavior and I'm taking a second look and a third look because it's so subtle that I don't want to miss it. So then I'm talking to this girl in another session, same girl, and we're talking about how life isn't fair. And I said, so I noticed you're not doing the thing with your fingers anymore. What made you stop doing that? And she said, well, cause you told me life is not equal. And so I'm telling myself I don't have to equal, which made me feel like, oh, okay, well that sounds like a symmetry OCD answer. And then I saw her again and I have these like mermaid pillows, you know, that are like sequins and that you can do designs in them. And so we're talking about just behavior and her behavior at home and regular things that are not related to really anxiety or OCD. And she made this perfect circle and she divided it perfectly in half. And so she left. I didn't even notice because it was like facing her. And then she left and I looked at my room and I'm just sitting there doing my therapy notes. I see this perfectly symmetrical circle and I'm like, I can't ignore this anymore. So anyway, long story short, it turns out that she did have symmetrical OCD and I wasn't being paranoid. And once we knew that, and once the parents were clued into that, we saw it all the time. I saw it all the time in my office and they, when they started to reflect, saw it a lot in her life. And so some of these subtle things that you may not notice or be aware of, or you might even just write off could be signs of OCD. So pay attention to your children's behavior. I notice when my son does bizarre things, he, he always has an excuse for them. So he might just get up from the dinner table and start hopping, but he does it all the time. And it seems like there's a pattern to it and then that will go away for a while. And then something new will pop up. You know, unfortunately with him, he denies it and he'll just, he'll come up with a very good creative excuse. And so I'm always like, well, maybe, but it happens too frequently and too much in a pattern. And so you want to look for things that are happening in a pattern. I have talked and written about this a lot. So I'm going to give you some places to get more in-depth information from. So hold on. So there are a few places that you can look on my podcast episode 25. I go into eight common OCD themes. That would be really helpful so that you understand what you're looking for. Episode 11. I talk about things that parents get wrong about OCD, and that could be really helpful as well to figure out what assumptions you're having that are incorrect and aren't going to really help you. It looks like that's pretty much all I have on my podcast that I think would be helpful, but I know my YouTube channel, let me go to that really quick. You'd think I'd be a little bit more prepared, (laughs) but you know what? Honestly, I'm going to tell you. So I was planning on talking about, um, how to decode why your child's anxious. So I have all my nose, everything's ready. It's been ready for two weeks. And then my kids have off today. And so it's Columbus day and wait a minute. That's not true. My kids have off tomorrow. I don't even know what day it is. So today's Sunday and tomorrow I normally record my podcast because everybody's out of the house and it's quiet except for the cat, which nobody can hear, but I can hear and it bothers me. And so I was like, I hate when I'm like very rigid and neurotic. And so I'm like, what am I going to do? That's the day that I normally record my podcast and I'm going to have a full house of screaming kids. And so my husband was like, you know, you could record it today. It's Sunday. And I was like, oh, I guess so. I can go out of my routine a little bit and not be so rigid. So my son has the neighbor over and they're screaming and they're making all this noise. So I'm like, I'm not gonna be able to record it today or tomorrow without screaming kids. But then my two little kids left to go play at the neighbor's house 
And my husband's like, go record. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I should go record right now. So I ran into my office, which I am in right now. And I was like, okay, I'll quickly record. But I didn't plan anything. Like I roughly had a topic that I want to talk about, which is the one I'm talking about right now. But I didn't plan it at all. So I'm just winging it today. So anyway, if you go to my YouTube channel, Anxious Toddlers, Parenting Survival for All Ages, I always have to write that because, well, we don't need to get into my whole long story about how I hate anxioustoddlers.com as the name. But anyway, if you go to youtube.com slash C for channels slash anxious toddlers 78, that's my, that's my YouTube channel. So that's probably the easiest way to find me. I do a lot of videos on OCD and anxiety, but you're going to find tons of videos on OCD. So I did my last video was OCD compulsions versus habits and routines. That would be a really good video to watch because I talk about how to differentiate the difference, which is a big deal. I also talk in another video, OCD symptoms in teens. Are you missing the signs? And that can be really helpful as well. Um, There's actually quite a few. There's childhood OCD, the invisible disorder, which is a good video to watch and see what you're missing. And then how to explain OCD to your kids. This isn't really what we're talking about, but I think every kid who has OCD should see that because I'm amazed at how many kids come into my practice, have been treated by other therapists and, you know, are 15, 16, 17 years old. And I'm maybe like the third or fourth therapist that has worked with them. And they still don't know really how OCD works. You can't fight OCD if you don't understand why you're fighting it and how it works. So it's really not what I wanted to talk about, but it's an important kind of a point to make. So the first thing is pay attention to your child's behavior. I may do this too much. <laughs> I might be a little paranoid, but I'd rather be paranoid than completely blindsided when my child is like 15 and has full-blown OCD symptoms because I neglected to see something. So pay attention. Those videos, especially that one video that I talked about, um, OCD compulsions versus habits, that's my, actually the last upload I did on YouTube. That will go into detail because I'm not going to do it right now, but that will go into detail of what you need to look for and how to tell the difference. So that's a really important um, distinction. The next thing I want to talk about is don't write off your child's OCD. This kind of drives me nuts because I think when you sit and you treat kids with OCD and you see the entire uh, spectrum of how OCD can get so debilitating, It's so upsetting to hear parents say to me stuff like, you know, it's not that bad. You know, she just has to wash her hands, you know, like 20 times a day, or it's not that bad. She just taps through the door or it's not that bad because blah, 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 you know, and when it's not that bad, that's when it's actually the easiest to treat and it's the easiest to build their skills up when it progresses and it will because OCD is an insidious disorder. It slowly gets very comfortable and it gets cozy and it hides and it sneaks into your world and nobody notices it until it becomes a huge deal. And the more your child does compulsions, even if they're small and even if they're insignificant, and if you're like, you know what? He blinks three times in one eye every few hours. It's not hurting anybody, but yeah, it's hurting his brain. Because when he reinforces those neural pathways in his brain that say this OCD loop is okay, 
these compulsions are needed. And so I'm, I'm creating a habit in my brain and I'm strengthening those neural pathways. I'm making room for more OCD compulsions. And so, yes, you might say, you know, but Natasha, he blinks in an odd way for a couple of months, but it, then it goes away. Oh, and then, yeah, he does this weird cough thing, um, you know, where he has to like clear his throat a couple of times, but then that goes away. Oh yeah. And then there was this time, remember what this time where he kind of twirled his hands a little bit, but that went away. And so sometimes parents will dismiss OCD as insignificant or not that big of a deal because the compulsions change over time and they look like just quirks. And I talk a lot about that. In fact, I think I have a video somewhere down deep in my videos that is how to tell the difference between an actual tick and an OCD compulsion. I actually have a playlist on YouTube that is called childhood OCD so that it's easy for parents who don't really want to see any general anxiety videos and they just want to learn about OCD. You can go and just check my playlist and I have that, I have that video in there, but I think a lot of times parents just don't want to give too much attention to the OCD because one, like I said, I think they think it's fleeting and it, everything will pass. And two, I think acknowledging OCD, calling it OCD and perhaps pathologizing it, it can feel like you're pathologizing it by giving it a name and saying your child has this disorder makes it real. But my message to parents in my practice and to you guys is it's there anyway. So whether you acknowledge it or not, it's growing and it's a beast and it needs to be confronted. And the more you name it, you confront it and you beat it head on, the less debilitating it'll be in your child's life. Because it is one of the top 10 most debilitating disorders or diseases in the world, which is crazy because it doesn't have to be. It's very, very treatable. But when it's been going on forever, that's when I actually have a lot harder time helping kids. And that's when you have to talk about medication to help and medication isn't a hundred percent effective with OCD. And, you know, some kids have to go inpatient or they have to go to treatment centers. And all of that is not hopefully necessary if you catch it really, really young. So I know with my son who does not have full-blown acute OCD, thank goodness, what he does have is debilitating because it's around his eating, which is really scary. But part of that, I wonder, and I could be wrong, but I wonder if it's not because I am like so on top of it all the time, <laughs> not to be like, yay, Natasha, because I'm so awesome. No, it's just every time I saw him doing something that seemed like a compulsion, I would say, you know, that's Mr. Bossy. You don't have to do that. You could walk down the stairs or you don't have to jump up and down when you're chewing your food because you're not going to choke and you're going to be okay either way. So like I would call out whatever behavior I saw. And so then he would stop doing it. He would deny it. And he would say, I'm not doing it because of that. You know, I, he always had great excuses and he still does. And so, you know, maybe he's right. Maybe, you know, he's got a psycho paranoid child therapist mom, <laughs> which is like highly possible, but I'm not going to let him have a, you know, debilitating OCD <laughs> because I have relatives that really they can't function because they have debilitating OCD and it's rampant in my family and it's, we're going to tackle it. So don't be afraid to call it OCD. I have families that come in and they have all sorts of euphemisms for OCD. 
They call them quirks. They call them, um, let's see, habits, behaviors, trying to think. There's another family I work with and they had a, a weird name for it. Routines. I can't remember what this family called it, but I kept saying to them, please, please call it OCD. You know, please call it a compulsion. And I think they look at me like I have two heads, like, what is your problem? Like, why do you have to pathologize everything? And the more you sugarcoat and you don't give the proper names to the child, the worse it becomes because it's easier to hide because OCD will hide no matter what OCD likes to hide in my house. And I'm constantly trying to pull it back out, but you want to use the proper names so that your child knows what it's called as well. And I have to say that 99.999% of the time, whenever I tell a child, you know, there's a name for this, their eyes grow big and they are so relieved. They're like, you gotta be kidding me. I thought I was crazy. I had no idea that other people suffer from this and that it's treatable and that there's a name for it. I feel so much better. I get that response every single time I tell a child. And that's why I think it's important to be really upfront with them and to be upfront with yourself. Okay. I kind of feel like I'm on a soapbox today and I really apologize. I'm not trying to sound preachy, but I know I am kind of sounding a little preachy today. The last one is every parent. (laughs) That's starting to sound like a preachy sentence. I would recommend that if you have a child with OCD, you do exposure response prevention. So I am going to do a full episode just on what ERP is. ERP is a type of cognitive behavioral therapy, CBT. We have to do acronyms with everything, right? CBT, ERP. But it is the most effective treatment for OCD. I really can't imagine treating OCD without doing ERP because it's like you have this amazing treatment option and to do something other than that amazing treatment option does not make sense to me because I love doing ERP in my office because it is the most gratifying thing that I can do as a therapist because it is so effective and it happens so quickly that it's very rewarding. And that's why I love my job because to see a child be petrified over some obsessive thought and to get them to build up that courage to face their obsession and to not do the compulsion. And then to realize, and I use this analogy all the time in my practice, people are probably getting really tired of it, but I always call it a paper dragon. I say to kids, you know what a paper dragon is? And they always say no, because who knows what a paper dragon is that we're not in China, but I'll say, you know, paper dragon is like, it looks huge and it looks overwhelming, but I could crinkle it up and I could put it in the palm of my hand. So it's all bark, no bite. And that is OCD. It's all bark, no bite. It's like, let me fill your brain with doubt. And I'm going to bully you based on that doubt. If I could find a paper dragon, or if you know of a paper dragon, (laughs) email me, go to anxioustollers.com and hit contact button, because I would love a paper dragon in my office. That would be like the best thing to have because I use that analogy probably like literally multiple times a day in my office, a really pretty paper dragon. (laughs) So anyway, ERP, for those that do not know what the heck I'm talking about, can dun, 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 watch my YouTube video on it because I feel like I make a YouTube video on everything so that I can, partly why I cover all these topics is 
I have, if you're not in there, I have a private Facebook group called AT Parenting Kids with OCD and Anxiety. I don't know if it's anxiety and OCD or OCD and anxiety, but whatever. I always leave a link to my private Facebook group in the show notes so you can always see it, or it's always on my website at anxioustollers.com. But one thing I love is whenever anyone's having a problem in the private Facebook group, I always link them to like all these videos and podcasts that I've done because I've done so many that um, there's like an answer for everything within these videos and podcasts. So, I mean, I give people answers as well. I feel like I live in that group right now because it's so active. There's like, I think there's like 1,400 and counting people in there. It's really growing and there is constant dialogue and there's constant support and it's an incredibly nice group of people. Like I used to worry, you know, cause I'm, I'm neurotic <laughs> and I used to really worry like, oh gosh, you know, I haven't checked it for a few hours. I hope nobody's being mean to each other or, you know, no one's getting out of control. And, and now like, I don't worry as much because I can leave it for, you know, seven, eight hours, go back and everyone's still being polite. So I do love that group. But anyway, I have a video on ERP and it's called, do you want to help your child with OCD? Try ERP. And it is in my playlist for childhood OCD on my YouTube channel. So I would recommend looking at that, but I'll go into it a little bit now as well. And ERP, you could Google it and you can find tons of information. So I don't really need to go in detail. I just want to talk about why you should be doing it. But to be very simplistic, it's just basically exposing your child to uh, a trigger that will trigger their OCD and then them choosing not to do their compulsion. And I say choosing because it's really important. And I tell kids all the time, I'll have kids where we set up an exposure. I call them challenges. We'll set up a challenge in my office and then we'll get to it. And they'll say, do I have to do this? And I'll say, absolutely not. This is your battle. This is your battle with OCD. This is not my battle. So I will never make you do anything you don't want to do because what good is that? You have to be invested in this. It has to be something you want to do. So, so they choose to not do their compulsion. So they work through feeling that fear and sitting with that fear and the fear dissipates. They habituate to the fear. They realize that the OCD has been lying to them. And more often than not in my office, the kids get empowered and they want to do something bigger and better next time. And that happens because I start off very, very small. So I don't do anything that is going to be at a 10 on the one to 10 scale. You know, we start off at a three or four. Sometimes it's hard to find something at that low. We might start off a little bit higher if they're willing to. But when they do these exposures, they become empowered and they realize that OCD is a paper dragon and they start to, you know, tackle all their compulsions and not have to do them. And it's so amazing to watch. What kills me is so many parents are not taking their kids to therapists who do ERP. You know, there's only a handful of therapists, you know, in every community that understand ERP and do ERP. And ironically, I was trying to find someone to do ERP with my kid because I realized he kind of needs his own professional it's not really fair to him for me to be his mom and his therapist. And I had a ridiculously hard time finding somebody and I finally found someone, but she doesn't specialize in kids, but she does see kids. And you know, it's like, you can't have your cake and eat it too. It's so hard to find someone who like is purely for kids and understands the RP. 
If you go to the International OCD Foundation, IOCDF, uh-oh, I see my son coming. <laughs> Be warned. It's going to get noisy. Dang. I should have talked faster. But um, if you go to IOCDF.org they, and you hit like find, find support, I don't know, it's find help, find something, you can put your zip code in there and find the people in your area that specialize in OCD. If they say they specialize in OCD, if they're on the International OCD Foundation's website, they are going to do ERP more often than not. I would be surprised if they're not. So um, it's going to be noisy in a minute, so I'm sorry about that. But definitely find a provider that does ERP because otherwise you are wasting time. Because I look at OCD as kind of like not to be an alarmist. That's not really a word, is it? (laughs) Not to be alarming. We'll go with that one. But, you know, OCD is like a ticking time bomb. And the good news is it could be, I'm trying to stick with this analogy, but then now I'm really struggling. (laughs) It could, it could be, I was trying to think of what's the word when you like diffuse, disarm, disarm. (laughs) I don't think, this is why I don't want to do Facebook live. I don't really think quickly, but so you can disarm a bomb And like with OCD, like there are very effective tools to disarm it and not have it grow or go off. But parents, one, are not aware of it. Two, can't find providers who can do it. Or three, they feel like, you know, I don't think my kid needs that. That seems kind of cruel or harsh or they're more uh, protective and they feel like accommodating the OCD is a good thing. And of course, I have a podcast on why that's not a good thing. (laughs) because I have podcasts on everything. I want, let me find it. So that is episode 27. Why reassurance does not help children with anxiety and OCD. And I also go into detail in another episode, which I'm just looking for right now about having to, Oh, it's episode 20 parenting children with OCD, doing the opposite of what feels right. And I talk about how catering to their OCD and giving into their compulsions is the absolute worst thing that you can do. But the ironic thing is it feels like the right thing to do in your heart and in your gut. It's going to feel like the right thing to do to help them and help them with their compulsion, give them reassurance, do whatever you need to, but it's counterintuitive because really it's not helpful for them. It's not good for their OCD and long-term it's not good for their mental health. So those are some good podcast episodes to look into because I go into why those things are not a good thing. And it's kind of like the same thing in my private Facebook group. There's a lot of talk about school refusal and there's a lot of parents who are like, you know, absolutely don't make them go to school. That's a horrible thing. I don't know why professionals tell you to do that and just, you know, give them a break. And I think I understand where parents are coming from, but I also realize, you know, you want to slightly, you don't want to make anxiety or OCD comfortable. You don't want uh, to not fight back, but you have to fight back on a level that's not like ridiculous and completely debilitating. It's out of your comfort zone, but not like debilitating. Anyway, that's a totally different topic. And we will definitely talk about that some other time. And I am, I come from the place of empowerment and I'm not going to let anxiety and OCD crush my kids. And I'm not going to crush my kids to crush their anxiety and OCD but I am going to help them get empowered to crush their anxiety and OCD. And that's different. 
It's like a different angle. So I'm going to give them the tools and I'm going to get them the support and I'm going to talk to the school. I don't have that problem. So I don't have to do that right now, but I would talk to the school and I would arrange something, but I wouldn't be stagnant. There would be movement always in the direction that I want them to go into. Same thing with OCD and compulsions. You want to slowly start moving them in the direction of health. And some of that is doing exposure response prevention and slowly moving away from providing that reassurance that actually is completing the OCD loop. And I go into a lot more detail in those episodes. So if you're like, what is she talking about? You can go back and check them out. So anyway, because it's OCD awareness week, there's two things that I'm doing. I am doing a mini class on what parents misunderstand about OCD. And I'm doing it for free on my um, teaching website. I'm just looking up the, um, hold on a second. I can't do two things at once. Okay. Sorry about that. So on my teaching website, which is anxioustoddlers.teachable.com and no www, but it's just the HTTP colons backslash anxioustoddlers.teachable.com. And that's where you'll find my classes, which I predominantly, I just have a class on anxiety and I have a class on parenting kids with OCD. And in the future, I have this plan. I'm not sure which, I don't know what I'm going to do first. So in the future, I want to write. So I have this book called Anxiety Sucks, a teen survival guide. And that's part one. (laughs) And my husband always jokes that there will never be a part two. So why did I do that? Or it's volume one. And he thinks that's kind of funny because there's no volume two. But I have the intention of doing OCD Sucks, a survival guide, volume two. So I have that on the back burner. And then I also have this like need to do maybe mini classes on my teaching site, which is anxioustoddlers.teachable.com, where I would do like mini classes on like school refusal and sleep issues and what other topics you, you know, wanted me to do. They would be like less expensive and shorter little classes. So if you have any input on which angle you feel like I should be doing first, I would actually like your opinion on that because I promised myself that after my OCD class at the parenting kids with OCD class was a beast. It's a huge, huge class. So the online class just came out and it's 39 mini lessons. They're all like five to six minutes long. And there are like 23 worksheets. And in that class, what I do is I basically go, I teach you everything about OCD in hopefully kind of a fun, informative sort of way. I make it entertaining. And then I teach you how to do exposure response prevention, ERP, at home. Because I really feel like parents need to know how to do this at home. So you could do it in conjunction with a therapist. And actually, therapists take the class too to teach themselves how to do it in their practice. And they use the worksheets for their own practice and totally allowed to do that. If you buy the course, you can use the worksheets however you want. And you can even show the videos to your clients. That's totally fine too. But where was I going with this? (laughs) But I feel like ultimately the parents are the ones that really have to do the work um, with their children at home. And so that's why I made this class. So I told myself that after the class was done and I like it launched and I'm done with it for right now, that I wasn't going to do anything for a month. And so I'm not allowed to do anything until November. That's what I said to myself, because I don't know how to relax. It's pathetic. So it's been killing me. And I've been like, what do I want to do? Do I want to do the book next? Do I want to write about OCD? 
or do I want to do my mini classes? So if you have an opinion, you can email me at anxioustoddlers at yahoo.com or you can go on my contact page and I would love to hear from you. Let me know what you think. And maybe that will sway me one way or the other. But there was a point to this whole long thing. I made a mini class of my parenting kids with OCD and I released part one of that class as a mini class that you can take for free. And it's misperceptions about OCD in children. And it's talking about all the facts that parent, every parent should know. And I have any parent that comes to see me, I give them free access to my class. And I say, please watch part one. If you watch nothing else at all, just watch part one, because you need to understand OCD in order to help your kids. And so for OCD awareness week, I thought, you know what? I want the world to understand childhood OCD. So I'm going to make it available for a week. Anybody who wants to can sign up for free and they can take the class and they can get the information. It's probably about 30 minutes. If you just go to anxioustoddlers.teachable.com, you will see the button there and you can press it. If you want to get really technical, it's anxioustoddlers.teachable.com backslash P as in Paul backslash understanding dash childhood dash OCD. <laughs> so there you go. There's a big one. And if you watch the whole course, um, at the very end, I give you a promo code for taking my entire class, which I can just give you the promo code now. <laughs> it's not really that big of a secret. I Let me see if I actually know my promo code. So for OCD Awareness Week, I was giving 30% off my OCD class so that if people watched the first video and they're like, whoa, this is actually really interesting and helpful then they can go ahead and sign up for the full class, which is nine parts. It's very thorough, crazy, crazy class. But um, I'm just looking up what the code is. So the code is all caps, mini class 78, and that will get you 30% off. So go and sign up for the free class and see if you like it. Anybody, anyway, no matter what, I feel like if you have a child with OCD, they should go and watch it because it's information that most parents don't know everything about and they should, because if you don't understand your child's OCD, good luck trying to help them. So it's there, it's free. It's a good standalone. It will help. And I've been really impressed because tons and tons of people have signed up to take that free class, which makes me feel really good because I think, wow, that's a lot of good information out there. So go check that out. And I guess I'll stop rambling because um, my house is about to get really noisy. I do want to thank those people that have left reviews. Quite a few people have left reviews lately, and I appreciate all of them, and they always make my day when I see them. And if you have a second and you're on iTunes, if you just even have one second, if you can just press a star, that feedback is really helpful. It's helpful for me because... I'm really pathetic and I count how many reviews I get. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, that's 33. I have 33. Yesterday was 32. Somebody else must have clicked a star. So yeah, it's pathetic over here, but it makes me feel good. And if you have 30 seconds, you can actually write a quick note about how you feel about the podcast. And that totally helps my ego. So I definitely appreciate that. But it also helps other parents who are looking for a good podcast on anxiety and OCD. And it helps other parents realize like this might be valuable for them. So anyway, I hope you're having a great day. I hope you have Monday off. Um, even though this is Tuesday, not right now, it's actually Sunday, but I'm talking to you on Tuesday. So I hope that you had a great 
day off if you are in the States, because I'm pretty sure this is just an American holiday, considering it's Columbus Day. <laughs> and I hope you find the sparkle in everything you do. I'll talk to you next Tuesday. Take care. Bye. Thank you for listening to AT Parenting Survival Podcast. For more tips and parenting support, visit anxioustoddlers.com.